Hi, I'm Andy McDonald, Senior Pastor of Whole Life Church here in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational congregation, a faith community committed to our mission to love people into lifelong friendship with God. And we're committed to our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. So glad that you're joining us today for services. I just am ready for us to all be back together again. Uh, I long for the camaraderie of church and the corporate experience. And uh, we don't know when that will happen. We just keep hoping that it will be sooner than later. Y'all can pray for that, and uh, we'll see how how the continued care of COVID happens, and we'll sort of make some decisions as we move along. We're not predicting anything at this point. Uh, As we begin, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to look in your word, to have uh, it speak into our lives. And I pray today as we look at these scriptures that you'll teach us what you'd have us know, that we might do good service for you. In Jesus' name, amen. When we were working on our statement of mission over a decade ago, we considered just quoting what we know as the Great Commission, the words of Jesus to his followers as he was about to leave this earth and return to heaven. He said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Of course, then in our thinking and planning, we, we were reminded of Jesus' summary of all the law and the prophets. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as ourselves. I remember that our thinking that really God's call is for us to love, and maybe we could have just a one-word mission statement, love. Well, fortunately, there were some wise people on the board who counseled me that maybe we should have just a, a bit more than one word. And our rewording of our contemporizing of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission landed us on our mission statement. Whole Life's church mission is to love people into a lifelong friendship with God. Maybe that mission is inclusive enough for your thinking. Maybe for some of you, you wish it had even more words. Here's how I believe it lines up with the Great Commission. People, that's you and me, follow the call to become disciples of Jesus because of love. God's love for us expressed through some spiritual mentor, a friend, through some human channel. Love changes everything. And when we recognize the reality of the secure place as friends of God, fully reconciled to God through the work of Jesus Christ, then we will wish for others to know the story and experience that same love, that same secure standing. And so we go and we love and disciple others to become disciples or followers. We celebrate baptisms, and then together as lifelong friends of God, we seek to know and understand more and more of what Jesus commanded to obey those commands to love God with our whole selves and to love our neighbors. We aren't restricted geographically. Our vision is to be a church without walls, and that reflects the reality of making disciples and followers of Jesus everywhere. 
And the concrete way we love is by fully engaging in serving the people of our community. Your community and my community isn't just the geographical footprint, that area of so many feet from our home. No, we've defined our community as each of our circles of influence. And we have a variety of circles of influence. There's our neighborhood, the workplace, school, church, civic organizations, clubs, associations, hobby groups, affinity circles, and let's not leave off our family. There are lots of circles of influence. In all those circles, because we are followers, disciples of Jesus, we don't come to that circle to be served, with our hands out, to get. Rather, instead, we come as servants to give, as givers to give. Personally, I love both our mission to love people into a lifelong friendship with God and our vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Both of them call us beyond ourselves to love and serve people. I believe they're just another way of saying both the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. There's another piece of our vision frame that speaks directly to today's message of discipling like Jesus. It seems that since Jesus calls us to make disciples, to create followers of him, that he also models and shows and demonstrates how to go about making disciples. I live next door to a, a master woodworker. His shop is amazing. And just the other day, he was showing me this mock-up of these fancy curved and fluted uh, legs for, to replace on some old antique table. He has all these little tricks of the trade to make new parts look like they belong. I've, I've had little things that I need to fix, and I've put my pretty good fix-it mind to task on what to do. And then I just walk next door to the master, and he has some method, some way of fixing the problem that is really simple. And, and once he shows me how, it's even easy once he's demonstrated it. As followers of Jesus, one of our goals is to be like Jesus to learn from our master and replicate his methods, his tricks of the trade, the, way of, the ways of the master. Jesus' way, his method, his technique was not and is not a complicated one. It's interesting to me how we all have methods of doing things. We even build a case sometimes in arguments of, of evidence to support the way we do things. Truth is, some of our methods may not merit the explanations that we might give them for why we do the things the way we do. They may just be a habit. Might, might even be an inefficient habit at that. We, have, we each have our, our way of doing things, from the routes we take to familiar places, the, quote, shortcuts, the way we load the dishwasher, how we prepare our meals, etc. Uh, watch someone prepare their haystack. Each one has their special way of baking it. Some of these we just came to, and they became our habit. Some we were taught. I must have been very impressionable at that age when I saw the movie Cheaper by the Dozen. In, in this film, based on the autobiographical book by the same name, the, the parents in the story are time and motion efficiency experts. Uh, the name of the book turned movie came from when this real family would be out and people would ask the dad, are all these children yours? And he would say, well, yes, and you know they come cheaper by the dozen. In that film, the dad teaches the children how to take a quick, efficient shower by working from top down. 
And as I was writing this, I smiled as I, I wrote this to realize how it still influences my showering to this day. It's the right method, well, at least at least for me. In the case of our subject today, we aren't just talking about my method or yours, but the method of our leader from whom we follow, our master, whom we seek to emulate. When we put the stories together, our scripture today from Matthew 4 and add Mark 3 and Luke 6 and the first half of, I mean, the second half of, of John 1, we see Jesus' method in recruiting his first disciples, and it's marked by three things, intentionality, relationships, and invitation. If we're serious about obeying the commission of Jesus to go and make disciples, making followers of Jesus won't be a haphazard by chance endeavor. Following our master's plan, we will go about our task with intentionality. From the pieces of the story preserved for us, we can build a case that Jesus either directly or indirectly through a friend intentionally built relationships. Remember that John the Baptist, born, chosen, called to prepare the way for Jesus, had his ministry already ongoing while Jesus was still working in the carpenter shop. John had his own followers, his disciples, and Andrew was first one of John's disciples. We aren't privileged to know how much Jesus engaged with John and his disciples. We just get the snippets of John telling the authorities that he is not the Messiah, the snippet of John and Jesus' interaction around the baptism of Jesus, and then John seeing Jesus walking by the next day and declaring, look, there is the Lamb of God. And scripture tells us two of John's disciples end up spending the rest of the day with Jesus. One of those was Andrew. We know that later Andrew brings Peter to be with Jesus. Then at some point, Jesus goes over to Bethsaida and finds Philip and invites him to follow. And then Philip goes and brings Nathaniel. When Nathaniel comes to Jesus, there's not this long hanging out, mingling time. It happens quick. They meet and Jesus is interested in Nathaniel's best good. There is in Jesus' very first words to him both a sympathy for his skepticism and a ministering to that skepticism. He says to Nathaniel, here comes an honest man, a true son of Israel. And you remember Nathaniel's response? How do you know about me? He asked. And Jesus really ministers to Nathaniel's needs when he replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Well, that's just what Nathaniel needed to hear. And he blurts out, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus is pleased with the response, but assures Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. You're going to experience much greater than this. In today's scripture, we have reading, we have Jesus calling Andrew and Peter, but they aren't strangers. He also in the story calls James and John. When you put together all the scriptures about the ladies at the crucifixion gathered at the cross, we can pretty confidently conclude that James and John's mom was a sister to Jesus' mom. And so Jesus was calling his first cousins to join him. Jesus' disciple-making was, first of all, intentional. It was not random. And while there may be a random disciple-making moment, our response to the call to make disciples, find, create, and recruit followers will work best with clear intentionality. 
too often in the history of the church in my lifetime, going after the whole world. You know, this gospel of the kingdom should be preached to the whole world has ended up oftentimes us not going after anyone particular to make a disciple. We've too often gone the shotgun approach, hoping that some piece of the buckshot, a piece of literature, a radio broadcast, a TV show might hit a target. Well, it seems that Jesus' method was much more like a rifle bullet, very targeted, very purposeful, laser-focused. So if Jesus' method was intentional, it seems we can become more intentional in our seeking followers for Jesus. Secondly, Jesus' method was very relational. It was personal and individual. Our strategy for disciple-making, for evangelism, if you will, is to adopt Jesus' method. Jesus mingled. He rubbed shoulders. He hung out with his potential followers. He had a mental model of being interested in that person's very best good. Too often, I think we may hang out for our benefit. You know, what can I get out of building this network of relationships and friendships? Jesus' mind and ours as his followers will be, how can I hang out and develop friendships so I can benefit these new friends? Then in conversations, times together over meals or events or just talking, we, like Jesus, can sympathize with people. Everybody has a story, and as we hear their stories, understand the challenges they face or the blessings that they've received, we can sympathize with their situation, and we can minister to their needs. Everybody needs something. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a meal. Maybe it's a little piece of advice, or maybe it's months of in-depth professional counseling. Whatever surfaces as a need, we can in the power and authority of the one who has all power and all authority and who has promised to be with us to the very end of the age. We can minister in some way to that need. We may, li- we may likely not solve the whole problem or be able to meet the need in full, but we can minister to that need and bring some relief. As we minister to people's needs, they begin to trust us. They should. Over time, we win their confidence. And when Jesus told Nathanael he saw him before Philip found him, that was just what he needed to hear to put his confidence in Jesus. One of my very favorite stories in the Bible is when Jesus is teaching the crowd, and they keep encroaching on him, his space, and he keeps stepping back until he's right at the edge of the lake of Galilee. And he asked Peter, can I sit in your boat and teach? And Peter grants his request. It's early in the day. Peter and probably Andrew and nearby maybe James and John are all tending to their nets and equipment after a long night of fruitless fishing. And Jesus teaches and the people and these fishermen are all listening. Maybe by mid-morning, Jesus is ready for a break and he turns to Peter, cocky, self-reliant, know-it-all Peter, and says to him, Peter, push your boat out into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. They have a relationship because Peter replies, Master, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. In his tone and in his pacing, there's a subtle reprimand, nothing direct, But you can hear it in between the lines. Master, nights are the only time 
Nets work on Galilee. You're good with wood in the carpenter shop. I respect that. Maybe you should just leave fishing to us fishermen. And, and there's also, though, respect. He says, but if you say so, we'll try again. The boat gets pushed out into deeper water. The nets are let down, and when they start to bring them in, they are so full they begin to tear. There's a call to partners who bring other boats, and they load in this fish until the two boats are so full of fish they're at the point of almost sinking. Peter knew fishing. Peter knew he needed a catch. Peter knew it would never happen in the daylight. Peter saw the catch. Peter knew the miracle. Peter saw his own corruptness in this moment, and he cries out for Jesus to leave him. And Jesus has mingled. Jesus has sympathized. Jesus has met needs. Jesus has won confidence. And Jesus doesn't step away, obedient to Peter's request. Instead, he says to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You're going to follow me, and you're going to recruit others into this amazing divine game of follow the leader. That's the third part of the method. The third part of the strategy is in, it is intentional, it's relational, and it's also invitational. We follow the leader, and then we are sent to mingle and sympathize and minister to needs and win confidence, and then to invite others to come and follow. Here at Whole Life Church, we have a powerful God-given mission to love people into a lifelong friendship with God. We have a compelling vision to be a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. And we have a comprehensive strategy, a method straight from our master. Mix it up, mingle, hang with people as one interested in their good, not out for your own. Sympathize with their story, minister to their needs, win their confidence, and as one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is, invite them to join in following Jesus. And guess what Jesus does? He shows that new follower how to mingle and hang with people and be interested in their good and how to sympathize with their story and minister their needs and win their confidence. And then another follower signs on. And this is Jesus' plan. This is his whole plan for the kingdom to reach the whole world. This is his whole plan for building the body of Christ. There's no plan B. We followers, we disciples are the plan. And what he calls us to, he will empower us to accomplish. We don't have much to bring, but our brokenness. And we ask for him to move, to restore, to bring salvation, to set our hearts on fire, and bring us into a revival where we will be intentional and relational and invite others to join in following Jesus. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. 
we discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. 